I'm Kayleigh Frost, Head of Clinical Support at Health Assured, and I'm joined today by Martin. Hi, Martin. You okay? Hello. Yes, thank you. Very well. Thank good, you. You good. okay? Yes, I'm fantastic. Good. Thank you. Uh, so, Martin, you're one of our counsellors at Health Assured. How long have you been a counsellor for? Uh, well, I've worked at Health Assured since January. Yeah. Um, I qualified... Has it only been since January? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Um, I qualified as a counsellor. Three years ago, yeah. yeah, and there was a bit of a pandemic that made it a, slightly a little different. bit of a thing. <laughs> made it different. We all, we all learned to work on telephones and on, on Zoom and Teams and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's actually really helpful for a lot of people, yes. uh, particularly people who don't want to go to a room and uh, yeah. see someone. So I think that can be really helpful, particularly for people who we might be talking about today. Absolutely, yes. So the topic for today's uh, podcast is neurodiversity. So I think it's a quite a hot topic in terms of people asking more questions. People are wanting to know more about neurodiversities, what that means for individuals, how it might impact them. So whilst it's a very, very broad subject and we could talk about it and cover so many episodes, we'll go quite high level in terms of understanding what neurodiversity means, how it impacts individuals and kind of what could be included within the scope of neurodiversities as well. So. You, so I know from outside of this podcast that you have uh, an interest in neurodiversity, mm. which is amazing. And I've seen you speak at um, events, which was amazing to see, Thank you know, you. you do. You were absolutely fantastic. Have you had a passion, not, maybe passion, is that the right word? An interest in neurodiversity support? You know, has that been quite a big thing for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and thinking particularly in terms of counselling and my yeah. professional life, maybe in the last seven or eight years, I, yeah. I did a lot of work with young people and uh, started to notice that I particularly liked working with people who were a little bit different, particularly yeah. people with autism. Yeah. Um, and then I made that my job, um, which was amazing. I worked with other young people with learning difficulties, but particularly people with autism who didn't really have learning difficulties, but they were with us anyway. And uh, other people had different feeling, struggling with other different things. And then I, I got myself qualified um, by doing a master's level qualification in autism and then thought, how can I help people? Oh, actually, I think I'm going to learn to be a counsellor because it's really, and I, my expertise is in autism. Yeah. I do have knowledge of other neurodiversities. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about them in a minute. But I think that some of the autistic students I work with found it really difficult to get hold of counselling. Yeah. It was seen as yeah. too specialist. You know, there was very lack of provision, particularly in, in the NHS. And and um, I saw the difference it made to someone. Yeah. I can never remember, always remember the person I work with. It, it was amazing. Yeah, like a different person because they'd had some counselling to help them understand themselves. Yeah. Uh, and they happen to have autism, but and but other neurodiversities as well. It's just that learning who you are and being happy with who you are, yeah. which is essentially a big role for counselling for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's particularly important when you've lived in a world where you can't quite make sense of it because it's a little bit different than you. Yeah. And you just feel a bit different from everyone else because you don't quite keep up with things and and you, people have expectations of you that aren't quite what you might have of yourself and things like that. And yeah. it's just generally learning to be comfortable with that. So I, I learned to be a counsellor to help people, particularly with those, because no, not many people did. And I think that, so I have been able to do that, which I've been very privileged to do. You know, so. That's so inspiring. Yeah. What a lovely way to, what a lovely journey into your mm profession that is and being able to I mean we know that 
you know, counselling is very vocational for practitioners, you know, and quite often it comes as a second or third career. You know, it comes after... About tenth for me. Tenth career. <laughs> At least, I Hopefully the tenth and final. <laughs> yeah, but well, it maybe. does happen because of some, you know, you might call it divine intervention or something that you go through or, or something mm. that you experience. Mm. We saw a lot of people retrain as a result or retraining as a result of the pandemic mm. as well and the impact mm. that that's had. Um but that, I mean, I'm, I'm inspired by every counsellor that goes through their journey into, into being a counsellor or a practitioner. But yours sounds really special in that way, oh, you know, that you, you... No, 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 it really is. And, and, and it's really... And I hope you never forget that, you know, that first person, know, that you'll, you'll never yeah. forget that. Yeah. Um, so that, that really is special. That really is something. So thank you for sharing that as well. Um, I guess then for anyone that's listening and doesn't really understand what neurodiversity means, they just see that word banded about, they've seen it, you know, people ask questions, but they don't fully understand it. How would you explain neurodiversity? Mm, well, um, <laughs> obviously it's a diverse subject in itself. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to make a rather silly wordplay, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a difficult, yeah, it's a, I think it's someone who's neurodiversity is about all everybody's brain works a bit differently. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's does. Yeah. Some people's brains are particularly biased towards some things and working in a particularly different way. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, this is not going to be a complete list, uh, but neurodiversities might include autism or Asperger syndrome, my speciality, yeah. people with ADHD. Um, which is badly named attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We'll come to that later. Yeah. Um, Tourette's syndrome might be an example. Dyslexia, uh, dyscalculia, dyspraxia. Yeah. Um, well, there's quite negatively named that dis word at the front. Yeah. And again, we'll talk about that as we move along. Um, so those sort of things. And yeah, it touches a lot of people's lives, either because they have one of those or they are close to someone who has or they work with someone who has. And, and just the, yeah. So, and I think it's the, Often neurodiversity isn't the neurodiversity, it's the fitting in with everybody else who's different that's hard. Yeah. 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 And I think uh if yeah. So it's it's almost like definable by society in a way which isn't necessarily good i think no it, uh, it isn't and, and right you see you've mentioned the negative connotations mm, you know to do with mm, the names mm, the labels the conditions yeah. talk to me a little bit more about that because you talk yeah. about this dis the, the yeah well, just the negative connotations I mean, people with there's so many different ways of talking about people but people with autism or autistic people and then people talk about it's still very common it's it's one of the diagnostic uh uh, words in um, in the American uh, the American guides for diagnosing people autistic spectrum disorder. Mm. Well, hang on a minute, disorder. Who said it's a disorder? You know, I mean, actually, what it means is you the rest of the world is struggling to fit in with you, or the other way around. Yeah, you know, yeah. and dis so I think I probably prefer condition. Yeah. You know, I think disorder um, is just not helpful because actually there are many people with autism who do brilliantly, yeah. and probably more people who would do better if the world was a bit better arranged. Yeah, you know, yeah, in terms yeah. of people adhd attention deficit hyperactivity disorder 
Attention deficit? Are you joking? You know, I mean, some people with ADHD or, they, or whatever you want to call it, I don't have a better name for it, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, they, they're kind of that sort of real focus on something that's really interesting. Oh, they didn't behave well at school. Why was that? It was Because actually quite a lot of school is quite boring for most people. And most people have a brain that is able to kind of cope with that to a certain extent. But some people's brains will not let them do that because they want to do what they're really interested in. Yeah. And I think if you can find that thing you're really interested in, that's brilliant. But again, it's that definition by people who don't have that neurodiversity based on observable features. You know, so, oh, attention deficit, they're not listening to what I say. They must have a problem with their intention. Or what you're saying isn't very interesting. Um, and hyperactive, well, they're probably bored. They're looking at something else to do. You know, disorder, not necessarily. You know, there's some hugely successful neurodiverse people. There's some people who are very happy with neurodiversities. And there are people who don't know they've got them because they're not defined by that. So I think Chris Packham. Uh, who's uh, to me a brilliant uh, natural history person you know and yeah. grew up with Chris Packham not literally just on TV <laughs> um, and he said in a program he did about autism when I'm alone I'm not autistic so you know he's just, he says he would say from that he's only autistic when he's got to deal with other people yeah, yeah. you know um, so it's not a condition he has it's something that sort of society has really so that's an interesting way of looking at it I'd never even thought of it in yeah. this way that is you know yeah. literally me sat here right now like eye-opening to even think of it in that way you know we we've seen it before so when you spoke at the event um our conference I was kind of sat there thinking you, you made reference to how people would just allude to someone with autism as being one type of person ADHD you know the naughty the naughty yeah. hyperactive that's how I had always seen or believed someone with ADHD to be and it's only now probably in the last 18 months mm. that there's been more awareness on social media um mm. about people coming forward with their conditions yeah. and you'd think oh well they're not who I thought yes they don't look like Absolutely. someone that's autistic yes. which is so awful that we've yeah. as society have forged those images mm. um mm. visuals of representations of what someone mm. with autism yeah. ADHD yeah for example looks so, like absolutely when I was a kid I think I probably at some point knew the term autism and that meant the kid who's in the corner of the special school not talking and probably rocking a bit. You know? Well, <laughs> yeah. some people autism do that. Yeah. That's fine, you know. That, but some, many people don't. And I think, I think, kind of, probably a group of people who maybe counsellors are more likely to encounter are people who have have developed those skills to fit in with society, yeah. one way or another, yeah. but have to had to work really hard at that. And it's that hard work that's the difficulty, I think. I think in, in terms of counselling, I'm not. if I'm going to work with someone with autism, I'm not helping them with autism. I can't do anything about that. No, no. What I can do is help them think about how they might fit into other people or get other people to fit, fit in with them, them, which would yeah. be much better. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, fitting in with other people is really hard. You're essentially acting 24-7. You're trying to be someone else, which I guess if you've got an actor, a professional actor, and said, right, can you act for six months? And stay in character, I think that's quite hard. I think that has quite a toll Huge on you. Huge strain, Especially yeah. if you know, if you don't do that, your whole life falls apart, you lose your job, you fall out with people, everything goes badly wrong, you know, and you have to do that. That's hugely hard work, you know. And I think you have to just constantly make your brain do something it doesn't naturally want to do. That's all the time. That's really hard, you know. And I think that's something that people don't realise. So those sort of hidden neurodiversities mm -hmm. people aren't noticing and often people who do that are very intelligent and capable because they have to be in order to have 
gained those coping yeah, strategies. Yeah. So if someone's working that hard, people have expectations of them. You know, yeah. so you have expectations of someone who does really well in their job that they'll be able to do something different, and they can't because actually, they, they, they that's the no. thing that's really hard. You know, yeah. So, you know, someone who's really successful in your, their job, you might say, oh, they're they're very competent. They're really good at uh, organizing. I don't know, running some running a running a hotel or something. They've done really well, really good at that. Oh, they'll be great at doing coming and doing the uh, introductory speech to my dinner party or whatever. Yeah, or dinner yeah. dinner. You know. And they're terrible, and it's because they have been they haven't learned how to do that. That's really hard for them. They've just been hiding that in their other job, you know. And working for over a long period yeah. of time to create a, yeah, persona, an image. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you expect them to do something that's actually really hard, you're disappointed they can't do it because you have expectations of them. Yeah. And that will have implications for that person if there is disappointment or yes, negative feedback absolutely. and yeah. that could undo years of hard work of them yeah. building this yeah. person that they've had to become to fit in yeah. amongst yeah. everyone else. Good example would be a young person at school who has dyslexia but is also really intelligent. They yeah. work out ways around that. Yeah. They work out ways of doing it. You know, and they're bright, so they come up with all the answers at school. The primary school thinks they're fine because they seem to know everything. But then they get to secondary school and they're expected to write essays. Oh. Yeah. You know, and they write these essays. And it's like, actually, this is horrendous for them. And the teacher's constantly disappointed and thinks they're not trying hard enough. Yeah. Because their spelling's not very good and they don't appear to be making an effort and they haven't written enough words. And actually, these kids are going home in tears every night because this is so hard for them. And they really want to do as well as they can because they've been a high-flying student and because there's an expectation on them, a reasonable expectation from what they've done before, we yeah. think, in a neurotypical world. Actually, it's really hard for them. No. Is that something you saw quite a lot when you worked with young people? Uh, not me personally, I think, because of the job I was doing sort of allowed for that. And I have to say that most schools are much better at dealing with things like dyslexia now yeah, because yeah. there's much more recognition. Um, I think ADHD maybe not so much, but it does help when people have that diagnosis, which I think we'll come on to in a bit. But, um, yeah, I think I think it's when it's not really noticed possibly even by the person themselves that can yeah. be really hard you know and you go through life being brilliant at appearing to be okay but actually you're not okay but you've learned to not be okay for a very long time but it still takes a toll on you you know you touched before on you know in, in the counseling practice and when people that are neurodiverse come to count the counseling you know come to the therapy room i say you know or, or reach out and start working with a counselor is then that is someone usually you said that might have worked out to become highly functioning. Well, you they've know? got a job. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That yeah. makes them quite rare in autistic yeah. world compared with non-autistic world. So that there's yeah, such a divide mm. there, isn't there? You almost have to have a certain level of I, I don't know if privilege is the right word, but opportunities made available yes, to you to be absolutely. able to even get to the point where yes. you're able to speak to someone, absolutely, which yeah. is just awful that that's. Yeah. How so, yeah, and it probably depends on your upbringing, maybe your school and things like that to some yeah. extent, and also your own intelligence and your own coping strategies, your own coping, yeah. coping, and what's happened to you in the life. All those things, you know, make you able to do things or not. You know, and yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, and it it it's about feeling safe. I think a lot of the time, I think particularly yeah. with autism, it creates an awful lot of people with autism have high anxiety, particularly in any social situation where they have to deal yeah. with people because they're not quite sure how to behave, they're not quite sure they're getting it right. And that's that's really hard. So to 
everything's a hurdle, particularly involving talking to people, counsellors, things like that. Mm. Obviously, if you're dealing with anxiety, there's things, you know, if you've done it before, it might be a bit easier. If someone has helped you get over those things, if someone has grown, it might be a counsellor, it might be a support worker, if someone's Mm. helped you do those things, you might eventually be able to go to a job interview or book a counselling appointment, or whatever it is. And you might appear to be perfectly okay from the neurotypical point of view, but actually you really struggle with some things. And I think that lack of support sometimes is important. So if you've got very supportive family or supportive friends, you might be okay. (laughs) But there's things that, that lack sometimes is really hard. Yeah. And it, it almost feels like this probably might not be the right thing to say, but it's almost like you need luck on your side yeah. you know you, for socioeconomic totally. status mm. you've got to be lucky or fortunate enough to have the right yeah. support network mm. the right are you in the right authority for the school yeah. system totally. the right yeah. nhs trust you know all yeah. those services coming together to be able yeah. to help you yeah. a lot of it feels like pure luck yeah. which is Absolutely. so and not okay most not as counseling most young people i've worked with um and adults you know they if they've been supported and helped to get the help they need mm-hmm. they'll probably do a bit better and they'll know how to get that then and if they haven't done that they haven't been supported they're going to struggle you know yeah. and that's but that's not to say that it's always the parents fault not helping people are affected by neurodiversities very differently and it's yeah. not just that you know there is you know so it, it's important people don't feel blamed really you know it's 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 giving people support to help them reach something like their potential maybe yeah, certainly as young people yeah. and as counsellors we try and do that for everybody it's about people wanting where do you want to get to what do you want to be able to do mm-hmm. what could you do more you know and things like that it's like do you where do you want yeah where do you want to be and helping people get to where they want to be and that could be very different for very many people yeah you know? but if you there are people who you know they don't have that support so their potential they'll never get near their potential or close to what they want to do yeah. because they just need more help and it isn't there. So that could be quite hard. Yeah. And if they had a different background, they'd be doing something quite very, possibly. very yeah. different. Yeah. I'm thinking I can't go into details, but I'm thinking of people I work with who exactly that. Yeah. You know, if this person had a different background, they'd be running the country by now. Yeah, right. yeah. That's not that hard, is it? <laughs> 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 They've been the key for running no, no. I think uh, no, they'd be you know, they'd be doing you know, having a very fulfilling job yeah. probably and at the moment they probably haven't and they probably haven't done anything work wise, you yeah. know, because they haven't got that little bit of support. Maybe even an hour or two a week, just someone going, Oh, should we fill in this application for or something like that? You know. Hopefully, you know, I mean everything will everything takes time. I think even to now recognise neurodiversity as that, it is neurodiversities, mm. you know, it's not yeah. <sighs> the image that you just you know described of an autistic person for example mm. you know that's being recognized I, th- I think that there is a journey that we're going through globally you know in terms of acknowledging and recognizing neurodiverse mm. individuals yeah. and yeah. how neurotypical should be working mm. around around yeah. that i think there's a long way to go and yeah. i'm i don't know anywhere near enough on the topic mm. to even really be commenting on, on that kind of level but you know, I, I know that there are limitations out there um, in terms of support. I get asked it all the time, you know, what can you do from an EAP or SAP? And I'm like, well, we, we're not in a position to diagnose or, or mm. anything like that. But then one of the questions that I, you know, I talked to you about beforehand, you know, how does someone get a diagnosis? You rightfully pointed out to me outside of this, what but does that matter to the individual? You know, mm. what, what will that diagnosis bring about for mm. the individual? You know, it, 
is it important or is it more you know is it more about them for the, their own personal kind of would it be useful yeah, yeah. do you use, want yeah, it yeah. is someone telling you to get that diagnosis they can fill in a form or do you want it is that useful is that is that something that would help you in your job or education or whatever or probably more importantly help you realize that it's not your fault yeah and I think that a lot of stories you read of people who've been diagnosed either with autism or ADHD, I'm thinking particularly, they they find out maybe as adults. And there's and that is something that particularly affects women, actually. There's there's a real mismatch or a, d- a difference between how many boys and how many girls are diagnosed with autism. It's like three to one. It used to really? be four to one. Yeah. And there's no genetic reason for that. Most of the neurodiversities are genetic and they're orange, and probably, although it's a bit complicated. Um, but... There's no reason for that other than we're just not diagnosing them because we're missing things, yeah. yeah? And people as adults, a lot of women, some men are discovering in their 30s and 40s, they're like, oh, you know, I, I, they, they discover they have autism, for example. And then there's this huge revelation and relief almost. It's almost like, you know, there are people who think, oh, so the reason I find it really hard to go to social gatherings isn't because there's something wrong with me or it's because I have autism. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It almost gives them permission to be themselves. People who struggle with dating and personal relationships, things like that, all sorts of things. That I think for some people it's this rush of relief. You know, interestingly, a lot of the time once you get a diagnosis, what then? And the answer is not a lot. There's yeah. not very little post-diagnostic diagnostic support. And there are organisations starting to think about that, particularly for adults. Yeah. And I think that's where counselling can really come in. It's like, what, Absolutely what does it mean to you? you know, what, what can, and I think probably the most important thing with neurodiversities is learning about what you're good at, learning where your strengths are, yeah. learning what makes you feel okay. And then feeling okay not to do the things that don't make you feel okay. Yes. Learning what support you need to get those strengths. Learning the things, thinking about the things that work from a solution-focused counsellor's point yeah, of view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What work on what works. Think about what's okay. And that's hard to notice. Uh, so, so do yeah. you think, so, so you don't need to have specialist interventions necessarily or specialist support if you have been you know diagnosed with a condition or you suspect you might have a condition Mm. or traits potentially you don't need to then get specialist clinical support beyond that to help pull out those great things you know and and work on um Mm. things to enhance and enrich your life you don't need to be you know assigned treatment perhaps you know Mm. you could use yeah, no, I'd agree with that, Katie. I think yeah. well, one of the reasons I got into solution-focused counselling, which is my preferred modality, is because it's uh, there are books that tell me it works well with people with <laughs> yeah. autism. So obviously I ought to learn that one. Um, obviously what works is what works for you. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, different yeah, yeah, for everyone. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think that I, the, in terms of counselling and therapy and, and helping with neurodiversity or helping people who are struggling with the effects of neurodiversity, which yeah. is the important thing, um, I think that... Yes, the counsellor or therapist doesn't need to be a specialist, but it probably helps that they have some understanding. You know, they need, you and they need to empathise with each other. Yeah. And that might take a bit long, a bit longer. There is something called an empathy gap or an empathy bridge. You know, it's if someone thinks differently from you, it's a little bit, it's a little, might take a little bit longer for you to get each other. And that's one of the most important things in counselling. And it's it's not impossible it just might take a little time you need to check as a counselor you need to check the other person understands you 
you need to check it makes sense and you might do that I mean I quite often work with bits of paper and diagrams and things like that and particularly for people with different neurodiversities or anybody using using pictorial stuff as well as a check of understanding yeah because obviously yeah. you may have noticed I talk quite a lot um however talking isn't great for everybody especially not this much <laughs> so um works for me <laughs> good and we're okay uh so yeah so you have to make sure that you've got that shared understanding of what's going on i think it's yeah. really important so you don't yeah you don't need to have reams of qualifications to be an autism counselor and i think yes. the most important yeah. thing is you're not trying to fix the neurodiversity i yeah, can't you're not cure curing, dyslexia yeah, i can't yeah, i wouldn't yeah. want to people, yeah. a lot of people go this is this is me you know this yeah. is my superpower if you like i'm yeah. really really good at what i do yeah. because i'm autistic yes or yeah. i'm really focused on something that really interests me because i have this adhd badly named adhd you know my focus is brilliant on something that really interests me i'm good at this you know um and but helping to realize that and understand that is so important yeah. you know and i think yeah so so i think a counsellor gives people space to reflect on that when they're skilled, okay? Yeah. And they need to, it's, you know, it's, it's just about some understanding, maybe giving a bit more time, providing yes. a reasonable adjustment. What would it be a reasonable adjustment for counselling to help someone who's neurodiverse? Well, I think first on your list, a bit more time so that you understand yeah. each other. Yeah. Just take that time to check you understand yeah. each other. I think that's important. Um, yeah, I think, and yeah, so so yes, you don't need a specialist necessarily, but it's probably a good idea to talk to someone about how you feel about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I, so mm. I think, you know, so when I get approached quite often by, um, you know, universities, employers, we need specialist interventions. I've been, you know, looking and speaking to clinical colleagues as well, going, they don't, there isn't a specialist magic wand here. There doesn't need to be. We need to just tailor the support that is provided mm. to help, you know, we can't deny those individuals access if they have access let's tailor the support we provide whilst we're not there to give a diagnosis and like we wouldn't diagnose anyone with depression on the helpline no that's not that's not our role there are ways to do that but ultimately what what like we said what is that diagnosis for you know when someone is considering getting diagnosed for their suspected depression what actually is that going to do for them you know do they want it for themselves do they want it for work do they yeah. want it for school you know what what is it and i think it's the same here and and experience is what's key you know here and and it's the same with you know someone a counselor that's never worked with bereavement isn't going to be the right person to support someone with complex grief um necessarily probably so, not yeah but it's the connection do they yes, connect? Yeah. It might be all right, you know. Yeah, I mean, most, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, some experience might be useful, um, but not vital. I mean, yeah, yeah connection. Good. And I think just, I think the, one of the biggest things in counselling is that the person on the client feels safe. Yeah. Yes, so yeah. if some neurodiversities create quite a lot of anxiety and things like that, they reduce your feelings of safety day to day because you're going to work, you're going to school, you're in society, and it feels scary and horrible because yeah. any point, you could be expected to do something that just makes sense for a lot of neurotypical people to make sense to you, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah? yeah, expect to do something that basically isn't you. Now, if your counsellor also creates those feelings, you've got the wrong counsellor. However, mm -hmm. if as counsellors we can help people feel safe yeah. and feel okay in that situation, that can, that's the most important thing. Same for counselling anybody. Anything. You know, yeah. it's, it's that feeling of safety, that feeling of it's okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. Yeah, yeah? and I think that's particularly. No, I think, you know, and I think that we might, if we were counsellors, we might assume people understand things about counselling. 
and I yeah. assume people have understanding about social things to do with how we're going to do it and yeah. actually they might not so we need to make sure we're explaining things carefully um, recently we do a clinical assessment in our job yeah. where we assess people and recently I, I read through the questions to somebody so that the next time they phoned up they would be ready for doing that clinical assessment yeah. um, because very often but this was someone with autism i asked them if they wanted me to do that i didn't just do it i said do you want me to do that would that make me helpful oh yeah so you read through read through the questions and that that means someone's prepared for what's coming up yeah. and that can be a big thing make sure people understand what's coming up so they feel safe yeah you know and feeling safe is important for everybody um and it's a big thing for people often with neurodiversity for a lot of people because then they don't have to really really try hard to not be themselves which is the hard bit yeah and have to pretend they can do things that they find difficult if they're dyslexic or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah okay. Yeah, so, Gosh, yeah. I didn't even think about that with a clinical assessment. That's a really good... I've only done it once, but I thought it was a great well, idea. Yeah, no, it, no, it absolutely like, is. Oh, to read it? Yeah, okay, good, we'll do that. And that would be standard practice in a school, particularly one that yeah, works with people yeah. with autism, explain what's coming up. You know, that can be really helpful. Not always, but mm-hmm. it can be. With um, someone that might be neurodiverse, um, do you think it would be more likely that they might need to tr- trial potentially a couple of different counsellors? And, you know, like, th- it's more important. I mean, it's important for anyone that's engaging in counselling to find the right fit. And it can happen when there isn't, you know. We yeah. see that, you know, when someone might need to ask to be assigned a new counsellor because the the fit isn't there. Mm. And again, that's like making friends, you know, finding, yeah. forming relationships. You need to, there needs to be some kind of gel there and therapeutic alliance i think you know we kind of refer to it as if it might be more tip uh, more difficult for an individual to find that trust find Mm. you know find forge that relationship you know i think uh, to anyone listening then it's more than okay to ask for something different Mm. like don't Mm. be afraid to say i don't think this is working i don't think this is the right approach you know some clinicians might be very direct in that and make assumptions that people might understand the clinical processes yeah. mm-hmm. and that's fine for some people but mm. other people may need like say yeah. extra time and, and things like that so I think it's fine to ask for mm. something different if you don't like what yes. you've got absolutely I think that's a really good point I think I think for anybody it is but I think yeah and it actually knowing that it's okay to ask yeah because if yeah, you've yeah. gone through life and everything seems to be your fault because you keep yeah. not doing things right and you keep not quite you keep getting like b's and c's in school instead of a's despite being the cleverest kid in the class or whatever you know you wonder what is going on oh well, i've got this counselor right the council will help me oh that's not gone well oh, it must be my fault there must be yeah. something wrong with oh, me yeah, actually yeah. you need you, actually no you, um, the as you say the counseling research is that the most important factor in effective counseling for anybody is that therapeutic alliance that that working relationship yeah. that, that you click with the counselor yeah. okay um really important for neurodiverse people yeah. as well and i think it's just yeah. that you have permission to do this differently if this doesn't work it's not your fault absolutely because yeah, you can yeah. imagine otherwise you you then think that's your fault and then you'll never do it again or you just end up with a string of counselors and you blame yourself each time yeah. more often than not the counselors aren't quite reaching the right direction mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, some of the old literature, the old academic literature about 
um, particularly um, psychoanalysts, analysts of people with autism. Uh, maybe we're talking quite a long time ago. It's awful because they're just blaming the client for not being very good at therapy, which is unbelievable. But people write, wrote academic papers about that. I can't believe it. It's like, are you really? It's like, what? You know, it's the counselor's responsibility. But I think, you know, and it is that, yes, you can choose this counselor. They're okay. No, I don't want them. I want someone else different. Yeah. That's fine. That's not your fault. I yeah. mean, obviously, if you end up going through about 10, there's something maybe you, yeah, to, yeah. you haven't found the right one yet. That's quite hard. That could be quite worrying as well. Yeah. So maybe there's a sort of system around, actually, let's have a couple of sessions and see how we go. Yes. Let's see if we yeah. can both work Absolutely. to get this better. Yeah. Let's see if we can build that empathy bridge so we can work with each other. Yes. And that can take time. You know, I don't know from work, non-counselling work with young people. That takes time with any young person. Yeah. Or any person, really, but counselling particularly. So, yeah, maybe it's a sort of, that needs a bit of management, doesn't it, really? But it's, it is important That's to know that you have permission to not exactly. go to counselling. Here's six sessions of counselling. Oh, thank you. Oh, I hated the first one, but I had to go to the other five because that was the rules. No, you don't. Yeah. You know, and that's not your fault if you don't. You yeah. know, and that's important. It's a good point. I've not thought about Kaylee. Yeah. So massive. And maybe a reasonable adjustment would be to give that extra session if we do, if it is difficult. Absolutely. You know, that yeah. might be an interesting thing. We'll have to talk to the boss about that. Yeah. When we go back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. I think that that's yeah really important to to highlight. I think very you know conscious that this is a conversation that I could sit and have for hours. It's mm. so fascinating, and I am like obsessed with your energy and enthusiasm <laughs> for it I love it. it's so so you know inspiring and, and so fascinating I think for people that are listening if they don't really know where to start because we've you know gone quite high level here but if people don't know where to start in terms of getting support not necessarily a diagnosis what would you suggest kind of you know whether it's themselves or they're concerned about a loved one you know mm. resources mm. um kind of services, charities, specialist yeah. provisions, what, what would you suggest yeah. as a starting point? Well, I mean, point? those things exactly, yes. Yeah. So, you know, if you think you might have autism, have a look on the National Autistic Society website. Yes. It's excellent, you know, yeah. really good, useful stuff. Quite a lot of it is based around children, you know, because obviously a lot of people get first diagnosed in the children, but there is stuff for adults there as well. You might have to search for it. So you might find, you know, obviously these websites are built for everybody. So you might yeah. find if you look at one of these websites, and you think, oh, that's not for me. Just keep looking a bit because yeah. there might be stuff that will be useful in yeah. there. It just might be a bit hidden, you know. Um, ADHD Foundation, we've worked with ourselves in Health yeah. Assured. Yeah. Um, they came, yeah. came to talk to us recently. Um, and all the other, you know, other neurodiversities have those, have those yeah. main charities, websites, support groups. So they're a good start. I think talking to your GP, if you're looking at diagnosis and things, it's a long process, particularly if you're a grown-up. It takes long enough for young people. And that can be a real problem. I've worked with people sort of 12, 13 who should have been diagnosed with autism years ago and they haven't been due to something going on with school. Yeah. And they're really struggling at secondary school because they're not given the support they need. And that's rubbish, you know. But think about whether you want a diagnosis. Do you want that? You know, is that what you want? Would it be useful for you? Do you want that? How would it help you? And again, that might be something counselling can help with. Have yeah. a think about it. Do you want this? You know, are you doing it for someone else? Are you doing it for you? But yeah, it's not easy. Um, and I mean, some people end up going private, talk to a clinical psychologist, things like that. Yeah. You know? And it, it's not easy to even get qualified to diagnose people. <laughs> so there's not many people who can do it, which yeah. is a, yeah. but start with those organizations, those support groups and see where you go from there. You know, I think Perfect. it's probably the best thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, 
yeah, any, you know, kind of concerns, anyone that's listening that uses ourselves as an SAP, EAP, whatever, um, you know, if you're not sure where to start, you want to, you know, some pointers on signposting, you know, we are very lucky to have a big clinical kind of pool of, you know, resource and guidance and stuff. So if you're not sure where to start, we can help. So um, if you, you know, you do need some pointers, you know, we're there, but don't see things like because you don't have a diagnosis or whatever mm. as a blocker like you've said is it needed what what mm. do, what do this what does the individual want it for or is it actually you know just want to talk to someone space to reflect work out what is right for you or you know if you're worried about someone else you know that that understanding what the counseling space can provide someone that is potentially neurodiverse or has had a diagnosis there is still space in the counseling world to support that individual without yes. formal specialist yes. treatment that shouldn't be seen as a a blocker or you know like a, a brick wall to yeah. that yeah. To, for Absolutely. that person and i think i think it is the support there is is to not necessarily with the diversity specifically it's how does it affect you and how can we help you make those effects less bad? Yeah. yeah, and help you think about your strengths and where you what you could be doing if that's useful, because it's your stuff. Your Very counseling. powerful. Thank you. Is there anything that you want to kind of add at all? Anything that you think is really important that you want to make sure that the listeners, the people watching, um, that they've so they've got everything that they need to know. No, I think I think we've covered most of the yeah, things that you're talking really about. Well, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, just remember a lot of these diagnoses originally were made by people outside, the, the people who don't have neurodiversities yeah. by what they could see. Yeah. That's not a good way of diagnosing someone. <laughs> I don't think you diagnose a broken leg by sitting on the other side of the room and, and thinking, someone, you know, you have to look, there's just to be an x-ray, you know, there's a diag, you know, I think, you know, and I think because of that, I think the problems that causes is, people you know it's 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 society judging you really yeah now it doesn't have to be that because it can be your diagnosis if that's what you want if yeah. you need it but remember that that's where they started and that's not great so you know what do you need it for and how can you use it yeah it doesn't have to be someone else pointing out what you can't do it's about you knowing what you can do and what would be good you know and what your strengths are yeah and if they're getting that diagnosis is part of it crack on good luck what a very good way to end this. Thank you so much. That was absolutely amazing. I really enjoyed talking. And you, Kaylee. Thank you. I think I've come up with some ideas. Great. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you.